The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. All are welcome. We're glad you found us. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. It's time for a different take on spirituality for the modern world. Welcome to Big Universe with Jim Lefter. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. I'm Jim Lefter, kind of be your host today. I'm a kind of spiritual journeyman and media producer type guy. I run a website with online courses called youthrivehere.com. Joining me today as co-host is spiritual rebel Sarah Bowen. Sarah is the author of Spiritual Rebel, a positively addictive guide to finding deeper perspective and higher purpose. How you doing today, Sarah? I'm great. I just got back from a week in the woods playing hermit. Oh my gosh. Week in the woods. Did you have any, were you just in the woods and you didn't have any accommodations or anything? Or did All right, well, you actually... I, it's a little glamping. I, I have a camper that I got that I've been spending the last few months in writing and reading and um, reading a lot of mystics and being contemplative. So I like to call it being Yoda. Oh, well, good. And that's going to that's gonna serve uh, well when we have this conversation with James Feynman today. That's all, a good setup. Yeah, all that, uh, all that he's up to. Well, you know, one of the things I'm excited about today. What? You're going to take the lead in the interview today. I am. Am I getting promoted, Jim? I, I would say so. <laughs> you can check your pay stub and see that you'll, you'll get go. an increase there. I can, I can increase the facilities at the camper now. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm excited about this because the idea of um, spending time in solitude or contemplation and all of that is an area I'm passionate about. So I'm excited to ask him some juicy questions. Yes, and that's the perfect reason for you to do this. I think that's awesome. So do you know that the original rule that was written for anchorites and actually anchoresses, which we'll get into a little bit later, um, said that an anchoress could have no animals with her except a cat? Really? Why a cat? I don't know. It says no pets except a cat, and you couldn't eat meat, and you got to be, you know, a little lady hermit stuck on the side of a church which I think actually I would have been pretty good at. Maybe in a prior life, um, I was one of these anchoress ladies with my cats not eating meat in the side of a church. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you certainly can try it now in your Winnebago or whatever it is that your, uh, your trailer that you're in. Can't afford a Winnebago on this pay stub, Jim. I got a little A-liner pop-up and there's a toilet shed outside, but that's probably TMI for our listeners. <laughs> All right. Are you ready for some dueling inspirational quotes? 
I am. I, I'm themed today, so I'm staying with this contemplative hermit mystic theme. And here's what I got for you. The creative self is often best nurtured and realized in aloneness. More specifically, in the animating form of aloneness we call solitude. How very appropriate. That's Florence Falk uh, from a book called On My Own, The Art of Being a Woman Alone. Very interesting. Very yeah, interesting. I like know, it. Sometimes, sometimes we think of alone as lonely, and they aren't necessarily the same thing. For some of us, that solitude is what can kind of get our, our brains back on straight, you know, after a lot of action. So I like this idea that uh, you can be nurtured in aloneness. Absolutely. Definitely, you know, some of us are introvert, introvert, extroverts. I don't know what my Myers-Briggs is, but um, I'm definitely one of those folks. I need to have alone time where I can contemplate and just get away from all the noise of things. And so, yeah, I, I, that's wonderful. What do you have today? Here's mine. You have to grow from the inside out. None can teach you. None can make you spiritual. There is no other teacher but your own soul. Ooh, I bet that was Jim Lefter. I wish, uh, but no, it's, I'm going to see if I can pronounce it right. Swami Vivekananda. Yes, Vivekananda. Very Vivekananda. good. Vivekananda. Good, Jim. Your Sanskrit's coming along. I've, I've been practicing. Um, unfortunately, it's no better than my, uh, you know, English uh, handwriting, the, you know, it. <laughs> It looks similar, but it, it's, you know, still not re readable, I don't think so. I know, because secretly you've been working on your Wookiee. That's right. <laughs> that is. But I digress from your quote. I like that. Yeah, you know, there are a lot of tools that you can use and, you know, some that I, I'm into and some that I'm not into. And, you know, there are all kinds of explorations that people can do to what works for them. But it all comes down to you know, what you, that you have to grow from the inside. So you can use tools to get the insights and, and your spirituality, but it really comes down to your own soul. Yeah, and you know, that's something that's kind of interesting that I've been thinking about lately too, is, is how far we extend that idea of um, what, is, what is mine to do coming from the inside rather than being told from the outside. You know, there's a lot of unrest right now going on in the world, whether it's medically or it's systemically or it's, you know, pandemically. Um, how do we keep ourselves stable on that inside, uh, keep ourselves grounded, keep ourselves uh, willing to be of service and not burnt out, too? So I think that inside piece is, is super important. Yeah, you're right. Sometimes it is overwhelming what we have to deal with and what's going on in the world. But, you know. That, that inner insight is so important. All right. Are you ready to jump into the show? I am. Let's do it. All right. Here we go. Funniest Thing Guy, Ed Biagiotti, joins us with a new segment. Hello, everyone. My name is Edward Biagiotti, and I am the co-host of Funniest Thing with Daryl and Ed on Unity Online Radio, and I'm so happy to be here to talk to you today on Big Universe about the subject of making time for prayer. It's such a funny thing because when I take the time to pray, I actually create more time for everything else. 
But the challenge is that sometimes when my consciousness really needs to take time to pray, I have beliefs running through my head that there's not enough time to pray. And it's those very beliefs that there's not enough time that require treatment in the word in the you know in the metaphysical sense to treat myself to treat my thoughts to remember that time is as abundant as I allow it to be and the more creatively connected I feel to my source to God the more time transforms and expands and evolves and the most amazing coincidences come along to make everything easier to like exponentially increase how fast good things can occur and how quickly seemingly negative things or challenges can dissolve and transform into positive things. So t making time for prayer. Daryl and Ed on, uh, excuse me, Daryl and I on um, our podcast often talk about, and when we speak at churches, often talk about making time for a morning routine. You know, nowadays a lot of people, even in the spiritual community, I find will drop out of regular meditation um, for whatever reason. And then they'll use a sort of a 30-day or 40-day challenge and, um, you know, start the habit up. It, it comes, it goes. and But for us, it's like brushing our teeth. It's just become a part, and for me, it's become a, such a, a necessary part of my morning. So I... Because all you know, it really doesn't require that much time to wake up earlier. Even if you only have ten minutes, or twenty minutes, or thirty minutes to wake up that much earlier, to do some inspired reading, things like Emmett Fox or Alan Cohen or Eric Butterworth or the and the Daily Word, you know, take some time to sit and just read those words because they kind of reset our whole focus. They prepare us to pray. Because I love the way Eric Butterworth talks about prayer. And he reminds us that our job is not to set things right, but to see things right. And when we pray, our job is not to pray to God, but to pray from that place within, within us that is God, that knows God so intimately and recognizes that we are one with God, that we are a divine expression. Once we take the time. That's where meditation comes in also. The, our daily routine, the daily routine Daryl and I talk about on our podcast consists of some inspired reading, which doesn't have to take long, just even a few pages, a few paragraphs, one paragraph, something to just break up the rocks in our mind in the morning and then sit quietly. As little as seven minutes, three minutes, I do 17 minutes, whatever you want to do. But sit quietly and just breathe. Let your mind wander. Look around a little. Feel your body. Feel your chair. Feel yourself settle into your wholeness. And remember, and you'll start to, and you just naturally, we, I start to, and we start to remember who we are. Our wholeness and new thoughts will bubble up. And they don't have to be the most, quote, profound thoughts, but they could be the simplest thought where we remember how good life is and how much potential we have. Or we remember what it feels like to be inspired and enthusiastic. And from that place of knowing, prayer is so powerful when it's just affirming that which we know to be true. That's why it's so important to sort of quiet down before praying, to pray from the knowing that all was well, to pray from the knowing that even if my own subconscious mind is 
wandering through paths of darkness and fear and struggle or some sort of illness has presented itself or some kind of financial, that we know the truth that God is the source of our supply, that we know that as we align with God that our whole situation, our entire life is transformed for the better, that we now know that we are preparing ourselves to receive the good that is available on this day. This is the day that the Lord has made, or this is the day that the law of ever-increasing good has made. And we are open and ready. I am open, ready, willing to receive it now. And so it is. Amen. I let it go, and I can't wait to see what God has in store for me. So those are a few thoughts on making time for prayer. Check out Funniest Thing with Daryl and Ed on Unity Online Radio, and have a great day on Big Universe. Reverend Raymond Anderson joins us with Raymond's Corner. In the busyness of our regularly scheduled programming each day, very few take the time to be with themselves and by themselves. Very few of us are encouraged to take time to be in solitude, to be in the quietude of alone time. And yet, many times, we will go and be alone. We will take our alone time and dive into binge-watching or we'll surf the net rather than using that alone time to recharge, to reacquaint ourselves with ourselves, to use it for prayer or meditation or contemplation. Very rarely do we use that time to really get to know ourselves. And when I say get to know ourselves, what comes to my mind is remembering that Ernest Holmes said that the only God we would ever truly know is the one that we embody. And that it is by knowing more of who we are as the individualized expressions of the one that we come to understand exactly what God is. This is why Yeshua said, the Father and I are one. I do nothing of myself, but of that which I am made, of that which sent me, of that which I am the individualized expression of. And if we look at Yeshua through any of the stories, we find many times that he went away by himself. He went to the bottom of the boat. He separated himself in the Garden of Gethsemane to pray and meditate. There are many times when he separated himself to be alone because it's easy for us to focus on other people's needs, other people's wants, other people's desires, other people's to-do lists. But when we take the time to see the importance of pouring into ourselves refreshing and renewing and revitalizing our own bodies, minds, spirits, emotional selves, that we truly understand the importance of alone time. Even Superman had the fortress of solitude. Why? Because there are times when even Kal-El, Superman, needed or wanted to go somewhere to simply be with himself, to contemplate what it means to be Superman. And what does it mean for each of us to be that divine being expressing itself? Let's take some time by ourselves to consider just that. And now it's time for our interview. 
For over 25 years, James Twyman, also known as the Peace Troubadour, has traveled to countries at war to share the prayers of peace from the 12 major religions of the world he put to music in 1994. He's been invited by peace organizations and even the leaders of countries to Bosnia, Iraq, Northern Ireland, South Africa, Syria, and many other countries to initiate world-synchronized meditations while battles raged around him. Each time millions of people participated and miracles have often followed. James is the New York Times bestselling author of 16 books, has recorded over 18 albums, and has produced or directed seven films. James is presently a postulate with the Anglican community of Francis and Claire. He's now living as an anchorite for one year at Namaste Lake, Chapala in Mexico. Wow, James, you, you've done quite a lot and now you're, you're taking some time to actually get in touch with the universe. Yeah, you know, sometimes you don't realize how much you've done until you hear someone read it to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for coming on Big Universe. I know that uh, talk about where you're where you are right now and where you're going. Well, Lake Chapala is the biggest lake in Mexico. It's about an hour from Guadalajara and the towns along Lake Chapala are the biggest expat area in the whole world for Americans and Canadians. So many, many of us live here because the weather is so great. It's a beautiful, gentle environment. And I moved here a number of years ago and ultimately founded this community called Namaste Lake Chapala. We have 41 houses or apartments, just an amazing community of people from around the world. And that has just been a rich experience, especially this year, <laughs> 2020, which is, I think, a year none of us are ever going to forget. And I think we're not going to just remember this as a year of great challenge, but a year of great opportunity. It certainly has been that for us here at Namaste. And one of the decisions that I made, uh, I made this decision a few months ago, and one month ago I began. Um, I'll back up and say that there is a tradition uh, in Europe that has not been really around for hundreds of years called the anchorite or the anchoress if it's a woman and an anchorite or anchoress would be someone similar to a hermit uh, but different in the sense that a hermit usually would leave the community go off into a secluded place whereas an anchorite would choose a life of prayer and contemplation usually right in the middle of town in most cases a small enclosure would be built onto an existing church and there'd be two windows. One would look into the church, the other would look out onto the street. And when an anchorite would enter what's called the anchor hold, they would not leave again for the rest of their life and the door would be bricked behind them. Uh, and in some cases, like Julian of Norwich, for example, who's probably the history's best known anchoress, uh, over 40 years, she lived in this way. And I decided that in a time of pandemic, Julian, of course, lived during four different rounds of the, the bubonic plague, uh, with so many people being isolated and having to, uh, to be sequestered. It's something I'd always really loved, that tradition, and I thought this would be a good time for me to go inward, spend a year uh, in my own anchor hold, so we built this beautiful enclosure. It's very, very small. I could, if I was outside right now, I could walk probably five steps one way and seven steps the other way. Uh, 
and that's it. There's no door. There is only a little window where people can come and visit and talk if they want or bring me my food, and I'll be in here for another 11 months. Wow, wow. So I was sharing with Jim earlier that I have aspirations of being an anchoress um, <laughs> <laughs> based on uh, my love of Julian and, and, and other mystics, right? And, yeah. and I, I brought up to him kind of an interesting little rule um, that I found that I'm, I'm curious to ask you about as we get started. Um, but I'm wondering first, that's a little spoiler alert that there's a zinger coming, but I'm wondering, can you, can you describe what your enclosure is like besides the size? It's small, but what, what do you have in there? Sure. Okay. Well, there are two small rooms or buildings. The one I'm sitting in right now, uh, I could almost reach from one side to the other and touch the walls, but it's uh, a tiny little office where I can sit at my desk, and then there's a very tiny bathroom. So that's one room. Uh, and then the other is the bedroom, which really looks more like a tomb than a bedroom. It's very tiny. It's barely big enough for a twin bed to go in. Uh, there are no windows. Uh, it's just a, a small little building uh, where I can sleep, and that's kind of right in the middle. And other than that, it is walled in, uh, and on the outside, there's a really beautiful painting of Julian that a local artist did. And it's nice, I can't see it, but it's nice to know that it's there. Uh, and the, the community itself, it's a beautiful, vibrant community. And I have a little door on the window so I can open it or close it. And when it's open, people know that they can come and say hello or seek advice or anything like that. Uh, but if it's closed, then they also know that, that that's the time for me just to be alone. And I would say it's only open a couple of hours a day. One thing that I have that Julian did not is internet uh, and computers. And that was a big debate for me coming in here. Like, w would I even bring a computer? What well, I realized that I had to in order to do what we're doing right now, mm -hmm. to share the experience. But I simply try to limit those things as much as I can uh, so that most of the time is spent focused on the contemplative life and you know everyone was worried everyone thinking oh you're it's gonna be boring well I, I can't tell you how wonderful it's been I can see why you've been kind of feeling it yourself because there's something that happens when we tighten the container when we we I don't know how else to explain it other than to say that when you make a commitment and then you tighten the, I don't know, tighten the container, I guess. Yeah, uh, no, I, I understand what you're, you're saying, too. And I think it sounds also like there's kind of a, um, there's a, there's a freedom in, in the limitation in some way. Exactly. Of limited exactly. things. So, so here's my really interesting question. I'm dying to ask you, James, is do you have a cat in there? No, but I have a dog. Oh, you do? Okay. So I was telling Jim. That There's a little there, doggy door. Yeah. <laughs> is there really? Yes. She can come and go as she pleases. So she can come and go. I love it. I, I was reading the original rule that they wrote for the anchoresses. Yeah. You could Only not have cats, cats were allowed. Except cats. And I thought, hmm, we're going to have to ask James about that. I so broke that one already. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're glad you did. I like to hear that you've got a little dog. Well, I'm not a big cat person, but I am a big dog person. And we, we do have a little dog that we rescued from the streets of Ajijic. 
and uh, her name is Lily, and she likes to just come in and check things out and see how I'm doing, but as I said, she can leave. And Julian also had bees. I don't know if people know that, that she had several beehives that she kept in her anchor hold. So yeah, Ben, she I also had a cat. Yeah. So when you so when you went in, obviously you have not been bricked up in there because uh, you're planning on coming out at some point and Lily's going uh, in and out. But was there any kind of uh, ritual or yes. celebration or can you can you explain to us what the process was like sure. to, to enter the space that you're in now? Well, I'm virtually bricked in in the sense that there's no door. <laughs> there is a window that I can climb out and I did discover I could get out the doggy door if I had to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good news. Yeah. And to answer your question, we, we had a beautiful ceremony. Actually, there's a video up on YouTube people could search out. Uh, and the whole community came and we had um, so, some beautiful prayers uh, and songs. And um, the, the priest from the local Anglican church came and blessed it. A few days later, the bishop came, uh, which traditionally, when someone became an anchorite or an anchoress, they would take vows with the bishop. Uh, so I, I thought that was important. So he came and, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm trying to do this as authentically as possible. Uh, and you know, it's been wonderful. As I said before, it's when, when you tighten the container and, and limit your ability to, to move and say, no, I'm staying right here. I'm not moving I'm going to stay right here in the arms of the beloved. Something very magical happens, and that's what I've been experiencing. And and in that, I know that traditionally, you know, there was the idea of the rule or the ethics code or kind of the the type of life that anchoresses, anchorites, hermits, you know, all of these folks would live by. Do you have a specific uh, rule of James or something yeah. that you're that you're following while you're uh -huh. here? Yeah, I, I'm trying to live uh, to that. It's been challenging. I mean, just finding the balance right now during this first month. I think I'm getting better at it, but the balance between doing, for example, what we're doing right now, sharing, uh, or doing our morning sessions, which we do here every day at Namaste, uh, and then just taking the time for prayer and contemplation and meditation and singing and uh, I've been recording music, but I find that uh, if I get too obsessed with that, then it's just another distraction. So my, my rule is just to limit the distractions so I can not be doing so much but being. My tendency is to do, and this is a time just to be, to rest in God. And um, as I said, I've been seeking the balance, and sometimes it's a little tricky to find, but as the days and weeks go by, it's getting easier and easier. Well, on that note, I'm going to take us to a break. We'll be right back on Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. Experience the difference. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to a slightly off-kilter look at spirituality. This is Big Universe with Jim Lefter. 
Welcome back to Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. So it occurs to me, James, I, I, I guess I want to know, why do you think it's important right now to take this, this inner journey? Why do you think it's important to life? Hmm. Obviously, it's always important, but we, we do stand in the midst of a time when I think the importance and the necessity uh, for us all to find contemplative practices is increasing. As we said before, this year, 2020, has been a very challenging year. Let me first tell you how the year started for me. <clears throat> I, I've always been a, a deep lover of St. Francis and uh, my last book, Giovanni and the Camino of St. Francis, really helped me to revisit that. And when that book came out, I, I, I was going to do a couple of book tours, and I didn't want to just go around talking about the book. I wanted to bring people into an experience. So I wrote a one-man musical based on the life of Francis. And at the beginning of this year, January, I decided that I was going to, for two months, travel across the country sharing this musical penniless with no money, no credit cards, no idea how I'm getting from city to city on my way to New York, where I was to perform it as an off-Broadway musical for two weeks. So we started in Portland, Oregon, then went down to Santa Barbara and then made my way across. And it was one of the most amazing, blessed experiences of my life. And, uh, you know, the joke is I gained weight because everyone took such good care of me. And I thought, well, I'm going to have to walk or hitchhike at some point. Well, not even once. Wow. You know, the pe people respond to a full commitment. When someone makes a full commitment, people feel that and, and they want to be part of it. And that's what happened on that tour. When we got to New York, and the, the beautiful thing about the New York performances is this was the only time, to my knowledge, that a musical has ever been done in New York where at least half of the audience was homeless. Every day we would go out into the streets and pass out free tickets to the homeless on the streets and invite them. We would feed them. We would give them gloves and hats and blankets, whatever they needed, and then they would enjoy this musical. <clears throat> well, after a week... Uh, the pandemic started to really hit New York. So we, we cut the, 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 the engagement by a week and I came back here to Mexico and thus began the next chapter, which we're still in, and that's the COVID-19 virus. And obviously that has been a time when we've been being told, stay inside, uh, limit your interactions, wear a mask, uh, and people have isolated and people are living in fear and people are worried. Well, that's obviously the time that we need this and we're being forced into it. And I think a lot of people are re realizing that this has been, with all the challenges, one of the most transformative uh, times that any of us have ever lived in because there are more and more people connecting in ways that they haven't before. For example, uh, here at our Namaste community, uh, we have been doing every, every morning we do our session that up until about six, seven months ago was just for those who lived here. But when the pandemic started, we began broadcasting them on Zoom and then putting them up on YouTube. And uh, we have hundreds of people now instead of just a couple of dozen uh, who were with us every morning. And it's beautiful to be able to share that experience and to radiate that. 
And those are some of the gifts that we've brought. And many of these show us that we don't want to go back to how it was before. There is something in a very foundational way that's shifting. Look at the politics. Uh, people are waking up and realizing we can't go on as we have been. So as challenging as this time has been, the call to contemplation, the call to prayer, and most of all, the call to joining, for us to join together in programs like this, uh, has increased to an enormous degree. And I think that all of these things are showing us that even if we have to isolate as I am in the anchor hold, or as many of us are because of the pandemic, that we don't have to isolate spiritually, emotionally, and in the more essential ways. You know, and I'm wondering, um, yeah, I, I teach at a seminary and, and I teach contemplative practices and I often have students who are a little confused when they come in about what, what are contemplative practices? Uh-huh. So could, and, and I'm, I'm sure we have a couple, maybe a couple listeners who have that same question. So could you talk a little bit about uh, what, what your definition of contemplative yeah. spirituality is. And then we can talk a little bit about, you know, maybe how people can uh, bake more of it into their own lives. Yes. Well, I can tell that, that you teach at a seminary just by your questions. They're very good. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> you, you would no, never, no, no, no. You would They're never excellent. expect me to ask those questions. That's what <laughs> I ask if you watch, uh, watch TV or not. So that's right. <laughs> Well, yes, people often are confused by uh, prayer, contemplation, meditation. What are the differences? Well, most of us were raised with a, a type of prayer which isn't really prayer at all. They're words. Um, I remember, you know, every meal in my Catholic family, whenever we would sit down, we would say our prayer like this. I'll give you a demonstration. It would go... Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Blessed is the Lord, and these are gifts which are about to receive from my body for Christ the Lord, Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. In other words, get through as quick as you can so you can eat. Right. That's not really a prayer, okay? Right. And usually a prayer from a traditional perspective is a prayer of petition, which can then very quickly lead to a prayer of coercion. I, I often tell the story of, well, I call him Little Jimmy because he reminds me of me. And it's a story of little Jimmy who was told by his mother that if he prayed to Jesus and asked for whatever he wanted, Jesus would give it to him. So one night he's praying at his bed and he says, dear Jesus, please, please give me a red bike. My mom said if I asked for it, he would give it to me. He wakes up the next morning expecting to see the red bike and it's not there. So the next night, even more fervently, he prays for that red bike, wakes up no red bike. So before he goes to school, he goes over and on the mantle, there's a a statue of the Blessed Mother, which he takes down and he wraps string around it. Then he puts it into his book bag and he takes it to school. He puts it in his locker. And then that night as he's praying, he says, Dear Jesus, if you ever want to see your mother again. Oh, no. Oh, no. (laughs) I was wondering where we were going, and I did think we were going there. (laughs) That's coercion, and that's so often 
where prayer goes, and that, that's not prayer. So now let's talk about contemplation. Meditation clearly uh, is the emptying of one's self, so they can they can sit and, and just be in union. Uh, they enter into a state of union, and clearly contemplation is much more similar to that. But for me, contemplation is the prayer or the experience of longing. Not longing for something that you don't have, but something that is at the very core of your being, of who you really are. Now, some people may be familiar with uh, one of the great classics spiritual books I'm sure you are Sarah and that is the cloud of unknowing mm -hmm. and it's a book that was written was it the 13th century I think 13th or 14th yeah 13th or 14th yeah uh, by an anonymous monk and it, it is a true classic I highly recommend people uh, read it and his his mode of contemplation is what I follow and it's it's basically uh, I, I spend hours a day day doing this, just focusing my mind on penetrating what he calls that cloud of unknowing that's always above us, which separates from us from the direct experience of divinity, and just trying to penetrate that all the while putting everything else, all of our thoughts, all of our every idea beneath what he calls the cloud of forgetting. So it's like you find yourself between these two banks of clouds. And he would say to just have one word, love, God, whatever it may be, usually a one-syllable word. And you use that word like an arrow, always with every breath penetrating or poking at that cloud of unknowing. And with all of your longing, all of your heart, just seeking to penetrate that cloud with your love. To me, that's what contemplation is. And it's also, it's, it's an amazing, it's so passionate and it's so beautiful. Uh, it's blissful. Uh, in, in yoga, they would call this bhakti yoga. And they say this is the highest form of yoga, the yoga of devotion. And so to, contemplation, you know, I think you're going to get a different description or different definition for every mystic that you talk to. <laughs> Probably, yeah. Yeah, but for me, that's what, it's the yoga of devotion. Well, and I think that's important, James, and that was a beautiful, beautiful description because, you know, and we could get into a nerdy scholarly debate about essentialism and contextualism and all of these kind of, you know, when we start to think about, you know, what this experience does for us. But I think that you've, you've put so beautifully in prose a feeling Yes. And and I think so much that contemplative practices are about catching that that feeling or becoming part of that that feeling in a way that we don't always when we're just doing that super fast prayer that you do before food. Yeah. Um, that you did so well. So <laughs> so I'm wondering, you know, for, for people who are listening and saying, Wow, that sounds great. I want to do that thing James said, but they're not quite sure how to start, what would you recommend? The first thing is just to set time aside every day, even if it's a few minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. It doesn't need to be an hour or two, but it's about being consistent to find a time when you can find what sparks that passion within you because it needs to be passionate. Like you said, it's about feeling. 
It's not about thinking. And that's why the author of The Cloud of Unknowing says basically put all of your thoughts, all of your thinking beneath that cloud of forgetting. You won't need them here. All they're going to do is get in the way. So just let your thinking go and enter into that feeling of passion and devotion for the divine, for the beloved, however it works for you. There, there are no clear definitions or one way of doing this. There, there's going to be a different way for everyone because it needs to be whatever really connects with your soul. And if you read the book that we just mentioned, The Cloud of Unknowing, that's a great start. If you read Thomas Merton, that's another amazing uh, beginning step for people. I mean, Merton's all you need if you've never read Thomas Merton. Uh, <laughs> he'll do it for you. And But it's really just about the consistent practice of of that open-hearted devotion and longing for the divine, however it makes sense to you. I'm so I got to put Jim on the spot. Yes. So how, how's that landing for you, Jim? Oh, it's it's great. I think it's great. I was I was actually going to jump in and say, you know, I to get into that moment, I would love to hear a little bit of music from James. Um, ah. Would you would you indulge us in in a song? Oh, I guess I could do that. Since I am the beach troubadour. <laughs> <laughs> when I was when I was introducing him initially, I called him the beach troubadour. I, I edited that out, but you know. No, it was delightful. I've never been called that before, and I like the ring of it. It sounds nice. I wouldn't mind being the beach troubadour. <laughs> All right, let me share uh, a song that I wrote not long ago. Um, it was really when I was in the inquiry of asking well, what am i to do now and and i felt this presence almost as a voice that said there are three things that i want you to do number one stay simple just stay simple it's so important and number two even more important stay humble just fall into that place of deep humility and finally stay awake this is a time when we're all called to be awake and I really took that to heart. And for me, the best way to really integrate something like that is to write a song about it. So this is a, the song I wrote from that experience. And it's uh, called Stay Simple. Stay simple. Stay humble. And stay awake with me. I've heard you calling, and I have answered with everything that you need, with everything that you need. Like the birds of the air, the flowers in the field. For only then will your heart be healed. Be healed. 
be simple and stay humble and stay away with me. Your heart is open and will remain if you but choose. that space very nicely thank you yeah i'm not coming back jim oh no oh no <laughs> i'm gonna stay in my nice little contemplative we feeling over here <laughs> you've lost me that was beautiful james thank you <laughs> you know a thought occurred to me too while you were playing um which is that in some ways so many of us you know being stuck in our homes in ways we never have been um are almost in our own little kind of temporary anchor holds in a way yeah, um, you know, true. And, and we have a choice of how to use that time. You know, we can binge watch Netflix, which Jim and I like to do a lot of. <laughs> but, you know, there's also these contemplative practices that can become of that part of that pandemic life. And that's just so such a beautiful offering. Thank you. Oh, you're so welcome. You know, for me, seeing is, is such an important part of this. And sometimes I think, well, I should just be in my little tiny little hut there meditating, being quiet, never talking. But for me, singing takes me there. And why should I argue with that? I sit and I sing Yogananda chants and I write music and it just lifts me. So once again, you need to find what sparks you and and, and not think that there are certain rules that you have to follow. Like, you know, that, that ancient rule for anchorites and anchoresses that you mentioned before, I've read that and obviously it was written probably five, 600 years ago. <laughs> But not very many of the things applied to me today. So I just had to follow my own instinct and guidance. Yeah. Did you accessorize your clothing because they were not allowed to bring accessories? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a big issue for me. I, I think it draws attention to, you know, there are so many beautiful practices and sacred texts and books and music and all this stuff back in our spiritual, spiritual heritages. 
and to yeah. be able to go back and reclaim them and shift them around a little bit, make them work for us. It, it clearly sounds like what you're trying to do. Hmm. Hmm. I'm curious as to your path in spirituality. How did you, how did you get to this? I mean, you, you grew up Catholic and you know, you're changed, you, you've changed your path to some extent, it seems, it seems, or, or have you? It's widened, I think is the best way to say it. Uh, I, I've never been one of these people that felt like I needed to, to, to give up or do away with anything like my Catholic roots, for example. They were part of what made me me and brought me to this point, and I really honor that. Uh, there are obviously a lot of things that don't resonate with me, but many things that do. Uh, I, I remember a very dear friend of mine, um, he was also a Franciscan, and like me, he was a student of A Course in Miracles, and, but he still went to Mass and honored that. And he was from Boston, so he had a very thick Boston accent. And people would ask him, why do you still go to Mass? And he would say, I know, I know, she's the whole of Babylon, but she's my mother. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of how I feel. She's my mother. And these days I'm, I'm more leaning toward um, uh, the Anglican or the Episcopal tradition just because it's, it is so similar to the Catholic tradition. But, you know, they've, they've opened up on things that I think are important, like women priests and married priests and things like that. Um, so that's why I, I joined the, the, the Franciscan order within the Anglican tradition, the community of Francis and Clare. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really all the same because it, it's all about my own willingness and uh, desire to connect with my soul and with the beloved. No religion is going to do that for you. We, we keep expecting it, but it, it, religion can be a guidepost. Spirituality can be of great assistance, but it's still going to take that individual commitment. Absolutely. Absolutely. I guess um, one of the quick questions, and we only have a couple minutes left, but one of the questions I have is when you travel to different countries to lead and engage in spiritual practices, you know, sometimes during some great strife, what have you found in terms of the spiritual sense there? Mm. Well, usually what I find whenever I go to countries where you expect people to be so different or against you or challenging. It, it, it never is. Usually I just meet people exactly like you and me and all of us. I remember the first time I, I was actually invited by Saddam Hussein to come to Iraq in 1998. At the same time, we were beginning a bombing uh, campaign against the Iraqis. Uh, and it was clearly a propaganda move on their part to invite this peace troubadour to come and do this concert there. But I, I didn't know what to expect. I, I thought that I was going in, you know, like St. Francis, going to visit the Sultan in Syria during the Crusades. But instead, what I found were just beautiful people who just had this longing for peace. And that's what I find everywhere, is that we all have this. We just need to, to really focus on the ways that we're the same rather than the ways that we're different. And that's what the peace prayers do. My, this part of my journey really came when I was, a friend gave me the a copy of the peace prayers from all the different religions of the world. And, and I was able to uh, put them to music in one hour. And it was because I was willing to see where we're the same, where all the religions come together. 
not where we're different, but where we're the same. And just because we have a minute left, I wanted to leave with this question and you've, you've answered it to some extent already, but we like to give tools on this show. And so what can, what can our listeners do in our everyday lives to, to encourage the spirituality and to, to be part of this, you know, larger community? Well, I think always the, the best thing that any of us can do is seek to be the source of that which we are seeking. Seek to be the source of that which we are seeking. There, there's a song that I often sing. I thought about singing it here today, actually. It's called The Servant Prayer, and it's an adaptation of the prayer of St. Francis by Mother Teresa. And the prayer basically begins by saying, when I'm hungry, give me someone that I can feed. When I'm thirsty, give me someone to give a drink to. When I'm cold, give me someone to keep warm. And the whole focus of the prayer is whatever it is that you think you need or want, give that to another person. So I think for all of us, the, the way that we can experience more love and more light in our world, in our lives, is to be a source of love and light to others in simple ways. We don't, it doesn't have to be big and grandiose. It can just be the way we smile and talk to people. And if we do that, then we're going to feel our hearts naturally open and expand. And we find that the people around us do the same thing. So it just keeps coming back to keep it simple, keep humble, and just stay awake. Thank you, James. Thank you. And blessings on your current endeavor. It's so great to have you on Big Universe. Thanks for joining My us. honor. Thanks to both of you. This was a great interview. Wonderful. James Twyman's website, if I'm correct, is worldpeacepulse.com. Is that the right one? They can go to worldpeacepulse.com or James F, as in Francis Twyman.com. They'll take you to the same place. Wonderful. Find out more information about him there and his albums and his books. For more great information about Sarah Bowen, go to www.spiritual-rebel.com. I've got premium video courses, and I help people create them on my website called youthrivehere.com. I hope you'll join me there. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you next time on Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Hello, I'm Dr. Stephen Farber, and I'm an author, teacher, psychotherapist, and shamanic practitioner. On my podcast, Healing for Your Soul, I welcome some amazing guests and introduce you to some healing techniques like earth magic, working with nature and animals, and really getting to the heart of what is keeping you stuck. I want to help you deepen your spirituality and let go of blocks that are holding you back. Let me help you in this journey called life. Part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network. Subscribe and follow wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode.